0: Chapter Eleven of Little Lord Fauntleroy. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivoxorg Recording by Mary Anderson. Little Lord Fauntleroy, by Francis Hodgson Burnett, Chapter Eleven. When Mr. Hobbes' young friend left him to go to Dorncourt Castle and become Lord Fauntleroy and the grocery man had time to realize that the Atlantic Ocean lay between himself and the small companion, who had spent so many agreeable hours in his society, he really began to feel very lonely indeed. The fact was, Mr. Hobbs was not a clever man, nor even a bright one. He was indeed rather a slow and heavy person, and he had never made many acquaintances. He was not mentally energetic enough to know how to amuse himself. And in truth, he never did anything of an entertaining nature but read the newspapers and add up his accounts. It was not very easy for him to add up his accounts, and sometimes it took him a long time to bring them out right. And in the old days, little Lord Fauntleroy, who had learned how to add up quite nicely with his fingers and a slate and pencil, had sometimes even gone to the length of trying to help him. And then, too, he had been so good a listener, and had taken such an interest in what the newspaper said, and he and Mr. Hobbs had held such long conversations about the Revolution and the British and the elections and the Republican Party, that it was no wonder his going left a blank in the grocery store. At first it seemed to Mr. Hobbs that Cedric was not really far away, and would come back again, that some day he would look up from his paper and see the little lad standing in the doorway in his white suit and red stockings, and with his straw hat on the back of his head, and would hear him say in his cheerful little voice, "'Hello, Mr. Hobbs. This is a hot day, isn't it?' But as the days passed on and this did not happen, Mr. Hobbs felt very dull and uneasy. He did not even enjoy his newspaper as much as he used to. He would put the paper down on his knee after reading it, and sit and stare at the high stool for a long time, There were some marks on the long legs which made him feel quite dejected and melancholy. They were marks made by the heels of the next Earl of Dorincourt, where he kicked and talked at the same time. It seems that even youthful earls kick the legs of things they sit on. Noble blood and lofty lineage do not prevent it. After looking at those marks, Mr. Hobbs would take out his gold watch and open it and stare at the inscription. From his oldest friend, Lord Fauntleroy. "'to Mr. Hobbs, "'When this you see, remember me.' "'And after staring at it a while, "'he would shut it up with a loud snap and sigh, "'and get up and go and stand in the doorway, "'between the box of potatoes and the barrel of apples, "'and look up the street. "'At night, when the store was closed, "'he would light his pipe "'and walk slowly along the pavement, "'until he reached the house where Cedric had lived, "'on which there was a sign that read, "'This house to let.' "'and he would stop near it and look up and shake his head, "'and puff at his pipe very hard indeed, "'and after a while walk mournfully back again. "'This went on for two or three weeks "'before any new idea came to him. "'Being slow and ponderous, "'it always took him a long time to reach a new idea. "'As a rule, he did not like new ideas, "'but preferred old ones. "'After two or three weeks, however, "'during which, instead of getting better, "'matters really grew worse,' A novel plan slowly and deliberately dawned upon him. He would go to see Dick. He smoked a great many pipes before he arrived at this conclusion, but finally he did arrive at it. He would go to see Dick. He knew all about Dick, Cedric had told him, and his idea was that perhaps Dick might be some comfort to him in the way of talking things over. So one day, when Dick was very hard at work blacking a customer's boots, a short, stout man with a heavy face and a bald head stopped on the pavement and stared for two or three minutes at the boot-black sign which read, Professor Dick Tipton can't be beat. He stared at it so long that Dick began to take a lively interest in him. And when he had put the finishing touch to his customer's boots, he said, Want to shine, sir? The stout man came forward deliberately and put his foot on the rest. Yes, he said. Then, when Dick fell to work, The stout man looked from Dick to the sign and from the sign to Dick. "'Where did you get that?' he asked. "'From a friend of mine,' said Dick. "'A little feller. He give me the whole outfit. He was the best little feller you ever see. He's in England now, gone to be one of them Lords.' "'Lord? Lord?' asked Mr. Hobbs with ponderous slowness. "'Lord Fauntleroy, going to be the Earl of Dorincourt?' Dick almost dropped his brush. "'Why, boss!' he exclaimed. "'Do you know him yourself?' "'I've known him,' answered Mr. Hobbs, "'wiping his warm forehead, "'ever since he was born. "'We was lifetime acquaintances. "'That's what we was.' "'It really made him quite agitated to speak of it. "'He pulled the splendid gold watch out of his pocket "'and opened it, "'and showed the inside of the case to Dick. "'When this you see, remember me,' he read. "'That was his parting keepsake to me.' I don't want you to forget me those was his words I'd a remembered him he went on shaking his head if he hadn't given me a thing and I hadn't seen hide nor hair on him again he was a companion as any man would remember he was the nicest little feller I ever see said dick and as to sand I never seen so much sand to a little feller I thought a heap of him I did and we was friends too "'we was sort of chums from the fust. "'That little young'un and me. "'I grabbed his ball from under a stage for him, "'and he never forgot it. "'And he'd come down here he would "'with his mother or his nurse, "'and he'd holler, Hello, Dick, "'at me as friendly as if he was six feet high, "'when he weren't knee-high to a grasshopper, "'and was dressed in gal's clothes. "'He was a gay little chap, "'and when you was down on your luck "'it did you good to talk to him.' "'That's so,' said Mr. Hobbs. "'It was a pity to make a earl out of him. "'He would have shown in the grocery business, or dry goods, either. "'He would have shown!' "'And he shook his head with deeper regret than ever. "'It proved that they had so much to say to each other "'that it was not possible to say it all at one time. "'And so it was agreed that the next night "'Dick should make a visit to the store and keep Mr. Hobbs company. "'The plan pleased Dick well enough.' he had been a street waif nearly all his life, but he had never been a bad boy, and he had always had a private yearning for a more respectable kind of existence. Since he had been in the business for himself, he had made enough money to enable him to sleep under a roof instead of out in the streets, and he had begun to hope he might reach even a higher plane in time. So to be invited to call on a stout, respectable man who owned a corner store, and even had a horse and wagon, seemed to him quite an event. "'Do you know anything about earls and castles?' Mr. Hobbs inquired. "'I'd like to know more of the particulars.' "'There's a story about some of them in the Penny Story Gazette,' said Dick. "'It's called The Crime of a Coronet, or The Revenge of the Countess May. "'It's a boss thing, too. Some of us boys are taking it to read.' "'Bring it up when you come,' said Mr. Hobbs, "'and I'll pay for it. Bring all you can find that has any earls in them.' "'If there aren't any earls, Marcuses will do.' "'or Dukes, though he never made any mention of Dukes or Marcuses. "'We did go over Coronet's a little, but I never happened to see any. "'I guess they don't keep them round here.' "'Tiffany'd have if anybody did,' said Dick. "'But I don't know as I'd know one if I saw it.' "'Mr. Hobbs did not explain that he would not have known one if he saw it. "'He merely shook his head ponderously. "'I suppose there is very little call for he said, and that ended the matter.' This was the beginning of quite a substantial friendship. When Dick went up to the store, Mr. Hobbs received him with great hospitality. He gave him a chair tilted against the door, near a barrel of apples, and after his young visitor was seated he made a jerk at them with the hand in which he held his pipe, saying, Help yourself. Then he looked at the story papers, and after they had read and discussed the British aristocracy, and Mr. Hobbs smoked his pipe very hard and shook his head a great deal. "'He shook it most when he pointed out the high stool "'with the marks on its legs. "'There's his very kicks,' he said impressively, "'his very kicks. "'I sit and look at them by the hour. "'This is a world of ups, and it's a world of downs. "'Why, he'd set there and eat crackers out of a box "'and apples out of a barrel, "'and pitch his cores into the street. "'And now he's a lord a livin' in a castle. "'Them's a lord's kicks. "'There'll be a earl's kicks some day.' "'Sometimes I says to myself, says I, well, I'll be jiggered.' "'He seemed to derive a great deal of comfort from his reflections and Dick's visits. "'Before Dick went home, they had a supper in the small back room. "'They had crackers and cheese and sardines and other canned things out of the store. "'And Mr. Hobbs solemnly opened two bottles of ginger ale "'and, pouring out two glasses, proposed a toast. "'Here's to him,' he said, lifting his glass and may he teach em a lesson earls and marquises and dukes and all after that night the two saw each other often and mr hobbs was much more comfortable and less desolate they read the penny story gazette and many other interesting things and gained a knowledge of the habits of the nobility and gentry which would have surprised those despised classes if they had realized it one day mr hobbs made a pilgrimage to a book store down For the express purpose of adding to their library he went to the clerk and leaned over the counter to speak to him i want he said a book about earls what exclaimed the clerk a book repeated the grocery man about earls i'm afraid said the clerk looking rather queer that we haven't what you want haven't said mr hobbs anxiously we'll say marcus's then or duke's i know of no such book said the clerk Mr. Hobbs was much disturbed. He looked down on the floor. Then he looked up. "'None about female earls?' he inquired. "'I'm afraid not,' said the clerk with a smile. "'Well,' exclaimed Mr. Hobbs, "'I'll be jiggered.' He was just going out of the store when the clerk called him back and asked of a story in which the nobility were chief characters would do. Mr. Hobbs said it would, if he could get an entire volume devoted to earls. "'so the clerk sold him a book called The Tower of London, "'written by Mr. Harrison Ainsworth, and he carried it home. "'When Dick came, they began to read it. "'It was a very wonderful and exciting book, "'and the scene was laid in the reign of the famous English queen "'who is called by some people Bloody Mary. "'And as Mr. Hobbs heard of Queen Mary's deeds "'and the habit she had of chopping people's heads off, "'putting them to the torture, and burning them alive, "'he became very much excited.' He took his pipe out of his mouth and stared at Dick, and at last he was obliged to mop the perspiration from his brow with his red pocket-handkerchief. Well, he ain't safe, he said. He ain't safe. If the women folks can sit up on their thrones and give the word for things like that to be done, who's to know what's happening to him at this very minute? He's no more safe than nothing. Just like a woman like that get mad and no one's safe. "'Well,' said Dick, though he looked rather anxious himself, "'you see, this earin isn't the one that's that's bossin' things now. "'I know her name's Victory, "'and this un' here in the book, her name's Mary.' "'So it is,' said Mr. Hobbs, still mopping his forehead. "'So it is. "'And the newspapers are not sayin' anything about any racks, "'thumbscrews, or stake burnin's. "'But still, it doesn't seem as if it twas safe for him "'over there with those queer folks. "'Why, they tell me they don't keep the Fourth of July.' He was privately uneasy for several days, and it was not until he received Fauntleroy's letter, and had read it several times, both to himself and to Dick, and had also read the letter Dick got around the same time, that he became composed again. But they both found great pleasure in their letters. They read and reread them, and talked them over, and enjoyed every word of them. And they spent days over the answers they sent, and read them over almost as often as the letters they had received. "'It was rather a labor for Dick to write his. "'All his knowledge of reading and writing "'he had gained during a few months "'when he had lived with his elder brother "'and had gone to a night school. "'But being a sharp boy, "'he had made the most of that brief education "'and had spelled out things in newspapers since then "'and practiced writing with bits of chalk "'on pavements or walls or fences. "'He told Mr. Hobbs all about his life "'and about his elder brother, "'who had been rather good to him after their mother died, "'when Dick was quite a little fellow.' "'Their father had died some time before. "'The brother's name was Ben, "'and he had taken care of Dick as well as he could "'until the boy was old enough to sell newspapers and run errands. "'They had lived together, and as he grew older, "'Ben had managed to get along "'until he had quite a decent place in a store. "'And then,' exclaimed Dick with disgust, "'blessed if he didn't go and marry a gal. "'Just went and got spoony and hadn't any more sense left.' "'married her and set up housekeeping in two back rooms. "'And a hefty and she was, a regular tiger cat. "'She'd tear things to pieces when she got mad, "'and she was mad all the time. "'Had a baby just like her, yelled day and night. "'And if I didn't have to tend it, "'and when it screamed she'd fire things at me. "'She fired a plate at me one day and hit the baby, "'cut its chin. "'Doctor said he'd carry the mark till he died. "'Nice mother she was. "'Cracky.' "'But didn't we have a time, Ben and meself, and the un "'She was mad at Ben because he didn't make money faster. "'And last he went out west with a man to set up a cattle ranch, "'and hadn't been gone a week for one night I got home from selling my papers. "'And the rooms was locked up and empty, "'and the woman of the house, she told me Mina had gone, shown a clean pair of heels. "'Someone else said she'd gone across the water to be noose to a lady, "'as had a little baby, too.' "'never heard a word of her since. "'Nother has been. "'If I'd a been him, I would a fretted a bit, "'and I guess he didn't. "'But he thought a heap of her at the start. "'Tell you he was spoons on her. "'She was a daisy-looking gal, too, "'when she was dressed up and not mad. "'She'd big black eyes and black hair down to her knees. "'She'd make it into a rope as big as your arm "'and twist it round and round her head, "'and I tell you her eyes'd snap.' folks used to say she was part Italian. Said her mother or father'd come from there, and it made her queer. I tell you, she was one of them. She was. He often told Mr. Hobbs stories of her and of his brother Ben, who, since his going out west, had written once or twice to Dick. Ben's luck had not been good, and he had wandered from place to place, but at last he had settled on a ranch in California, where he was at work at the time when Dick became acquainted with Mr. Hobbs. "'That gal,' said Dick one day, "'she took all the grit out of him. "'I couldn't help feeling sorry for him sometimes.' "'They were sitting in the store doorway together, "'and Mr. Hobbs was filling his pipe. "'He oughtn't to have married,' he said solemnly, "'as he rose to get a match. "'Women, I never could see any use in em, myself.' "'As he took the match from its box, "'he stopped and looked down on the counter. "'Why, he said, if here isn't a letter, "'I didn't see it before.' The postman must have laid it down when I wasn't noticing or the newspaper slipped over it. He picked it up and looked at it carefully. It's from him he exclaimed. That's the very one it's from. He forgot his pipe altogether. He went back to his chair quite excited and took his pocket knife and opened the envelope. I wonder what news there is this time he said. And then he unfolded the letter and read as follows. Dorancourt Castle my dear Mr. Hobbs, I write this in a great hurry, because I have something curious to tell you. I know you will be very much surprised, my dear friend, when I tell you. It is all a mistake, and I am not a lord, and I shall not have to be an earl. There is a lady which was married to my uncle Bevis, who is dead, and she has a little boy, and he is Lord Fauntleroy, because that is the way it is in England. THE EARL'S ELDEST SON'S LITTLE BOY IS THE EARL IF EVERYBODY ELSE IS DEAD. I MEAN IF HIS FATHER AND GRANDFATHER ARE DEAD. MY GRANDFATHER IS NOT DEAD, BUT MY UNCLE BEAVIS IS, AND SO HIS BOY IS LORD Fauntleroy, AND I AM NOT, BECAUSE MY PAPA WAS THE YOUNGEST SON, AND MY NAME IS CEDRIC ARROW LIKE IT WAS WHEN I WAS IN NEW YORK. AND ALL THE THINGS WILL BELONG TO THE OTHER BOY. I THOUGHT AT FIRST I SHOULD HAVE TO GIVE HIM MY PONY AND CART, BUT MY GRANDFATHER SAYS I NEED NOT, My grandfather is very sorry, and I think he does not like the lady, but perhaps he thinks dearest and I are sorry because I shall not be an earl. I would like to be an earl now better than I thought I would at first, because this is a beautiful castle, and I like everybody so. And when you are rich you can do so many things. I am not rich now, because when your papa is only the youngest son, he is not very rich, and I am going to learn to work, so that I can take care of dearest. "'I have been asking Wilkins about grooming horses. Perhaps I might be a groom or a coachman. "'The lady brought her little boy to the castle, "'and my grandfather and Mr. Havisham talked to her. "'I think she was angry. "'She talked loud, and my grandfather was angry too. "'I never saw him angry before, "'and I wish it did not make them all mad. "'I thought I would tell you and Dick right away, "'because you would be interested.' So no more at present, with love, from your old friend, Cedric Errol, not Lord Fauntleroy. Mr. Hobbs fell back in his chair. The letter dropped on his knee. His penknife slipped to the floor, and so did the envelope. Well, he ejaculated, I am jiggered. He was so dumbfounded that he actually changed his exclamation. It had always been his habit to say, I will be jiggered but this time he said i am jiggered perhaps he really was jiggered there is no knowing well said dick the whole thing's bust up hasn't it bus said mr hobbs it's my opinion it's a put-up job of the british aristocrats to rob him of his rights because he's an american they've had a spite against us ever since the revolution and they're taking it out on him i told you he wasn't safe and see what's happened "'like as not the whole government got together "'to rob him of his lawful Owens.' "'He was very much agitated. "'He had not approved of the change "'in his young friend's circumstances at first, "'but lately he had become more reconciled to it. "'And after the receipt of Cedric's letter "'he had perhaps even felt some secret pride "'in his young friend's magnificence. "'He might not have a good opinion of Earl's, "'but he knew that even in America "'money was considered rather an agreeable thing.' "'and if all the wealth and grandeur were to go with the title, "'it must be rather hard to lose it. "'They're trying to rob him,' he said. "'That's what they're doing, "'and folks that have money ought to look after him.' "'And he kept Dick with him until quite a late hour to talk it over. "'And when that young man left, "'he went with him to the corner of the street, "'and on his way back he stopped opposite the empty house for some time, "'staring at the to let, "'and smoking his pipe in much disturbance of mind.' End of chapter 11